This is The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Ross. Quick turnaround here, special Tuesday edition of The Huddle because you are going to have the Seattle Seahawks hosting the L.A. Rams on Thursday night football. Dave, aren't you excited Stop. for that? <laughs> Stacey just said something really funny, and I, I, can't, I can't repeat it. It wasn't anything inappropriate, mind you. <laughs> We're we're having fun. We're getting yeah, this we thing gotta, started off. With we got to get this thing turned around. We got a short week here. We do. Let's go. Let's get serious. Barely any time to reflect on a win over San Francisco, but let's take just five minutes to do it. What do you like that they did this week, Dave? Well, I liked that they tightened up their defensive coverage about the second quarter on. <laughs> you know, about the middle of. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo was finding a lot of those open zones, and I, I thought there were some guys in zones that were still dropping the wrong way and not crowding the right guy. But then Quandre Diggs steps up with a huge interception, and that just kind of changed the tone of their offense and, and how they operated after that. And then you saw you know, Jamal Adams knock down a couple of passes. You saw Bobby in tight coverage in zone knock a pass down. So, yeah, that was, that was a, a big improvement because they were like, look, we, we got to get better, we're going to get better, and they really didn't that first mm-hmm. quarter. I mean, it was still kind of the same stuff that was happening in Minnesota, but as the game went on, it uh, the and I'm just talking defense now, but I just the, the one thing I would say about offense that just was and I, and I think somebody had a, a like a speedometer or whatever on uh, on Russ. They they got his time. Oh, they did. I was like that was 2013 Russell Wilson. Because all of a sudden he scrambles to the end zone and I'm like, he's already on the five yard line. How did he get there? And so, you know, that the way he spun out of that, um, you know, that uh, sack and then the throw to Freddie Swain. I mean, I thought Russ looked really good. I felt like he he looked like he was in control. And at the end of the game, I expected there to be like 250 yards passing and it was Mm. 149. Right, right. It did feel that way. And, And also, if you think about it, you know, DK Metcalf catches that ball on the sideline. Uh, in the in the opening drive of the third quarter, he dropped that one. Uh, Emmanuel Mosley in coverage. You know, the, the, it was a very good, efficient day once the offense woke up. But to start, oh man, five drives. They looked completely anemic. They uh, and and they looked. You know, honestly, when you when you look at it, they got dominated up front by the 49ers. They uh, they were not good in pass protection, run blocking. It was all bad. And eventually. When they got back on track, they went to their play-action pass game. Russell Wilson hits Alex Collins in the flat, and how about Alex Collins showing up in this game in a, in a big way, hitting the hole hard, making the right decisions, and ultimately when they started to get Russell Wilson going in the play-action game, they got the running game going, they really took over that game, and it changed from the 49ers looking like they were going to blow out the Seahawks yeah. to the Seahawks essentially blowing out the 49ers. Yeah, and how about this? Alex Collins and Ryan Neal, probably the two heroes of that game. I mean, of course, Russ. but No, but it's a fair point to make. Yeah, I mean, uh, and I like, and I know you love Ryan Neal, as do I. And I got a chance to interview him on Friday, and I like to think that was the key to his success in the game on Sunday. He took that inspiration. He was like, I'm going to make Dave proud. (laughs) But, I mean, that's so cool when guys that you don't – I'm not saying you don't expect anything from them, but it's not like those are your frontline players. Mm -hmm. You got, you know, now maybe the two in the one-two punch with Alex Collins, and he just looks different. That run he had for a touchdown was just so – creative by him I mean Mm -hmm. once you read the initial block you know that's kind of like doing your job and you know that's what you're supposed to do but then once you get upfield and start making moves downfield I mean that's all him just being a football player so 
loved loved that it came from from those guys and couldn't say enough about Quandre Diggs. I just think he doesn't show up that much because he's the free safety. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But like last year when he got the five interceptions at the end of the year, you're like, oh yeah, that's right. He got five and he's a pro bowler. So that that momentum turn right there, getting that pick was just key. So yeah, I mean, and they they turned it around, but there's not much time to you know sit around and bask in the glory, right? Because now you got another NFC West team coming in here, coming off of a loss, and it's a pretty dang good Rams team. It is, and it's a good opportunity for them, Dave. I wanted to ask you: Is this something that you think can be sustainable in the way that the defense played against the 49ers? Because what I noticed is not just being more assignment sound in coverage, but they also electing to play more man to man. It seemed like against the 49ers is that something that you see them doing or do you see them going back to the zone because they're afraid of the deep threat of Matt Stafford yeah I I just think well even when they played zone it was tighter it was almost like and sometimes you know you can't really tell whether it's a zone or man you know one example was Pete said the other day that the touchdown to Dwelly that um, you know that uh, who was it that got Sidney Jones yeah Sidney Jones got beat um, you know, for some reason that was cover two. And so, you know, look, it doesn't look like a zone at all. It looks like it's man to man, but because he had two verticals running through that zone, he had to turn and run with him. So, you know, whether they're playing man or zone, I would like it to be a mystery to us <laughs> because <laughs> if they're in zone, cause I'm too, I'm tired of the zone drops where a guy just runs back stops, turns, and looks at the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Because you can't really tell much. You see other teams, the way they play zone, they're they're looking at receivers. You know, they're almost – they don't have their back turned, but they're, you know, they're more aware of that. And I, I'd like to see them play, you know, stickier in zones than, uh, you know, and, and have it kind of look like man where you can't really tell the difference. Is that kind of what you guys saw in that 76-yarder? Because if there is one big play that they got away with, and Pete Carroll said that, it was that 76-yard touchdown to Debo Samuel. Hard to tell what happened there in the handoff between – between Jamal Adams uh, and Sidney Jones, but what did you guys see on that one? Well, I thought Pete answered it great <laughs> because somebody was trying to pin him down on yeah, it, yeah. and he said, uh, we didn't do it right. Did you hear Quandre? <laughs> That's a great answer. Quandre, he, he was asked, like, hey, what, what happened there? He was like, oh, you think I'm a snitch? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know, and Pete was like, why do you want to know that? But, you know, look, I, I've never in a zone seen a guy all of a sudden, you know, follow the post inside the way that Sidney Jones did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it didn't. That didn't make sense. So to me, yeah, he should have come off and, and mm-hmm. taken that. But look, those kinds of things happen. I wasn't, you know, I felt like if Trey Flowers was out there and played like Sidney Jones, people would be, you know, setting fires in the street. You know, uh, get him out of here. There's going to be a riot. I mean, it's just ridiculous the the reaction to Trey Flowers and Sidney Jones kind of did the same thing. I mean, really, the catch. Uh, I thought that Dwelly, the tight end, yeah. positioned his body really well. I mean, he won there, but I mean, it wasn't like he was totally burned. What people and I think for for Pete, what they worry about. You know, they'll take the eight-yard completion underneath. What they don't want is what happened there. The 76-yarder. Yeah, the guy wide open because it's a quick score, and now all of a sudden, you know, they can get themselves back in the game. So, But, yeah, I thought Sidney Jones was was okay. I just think, you know, Trey could probably do the same thing. But, you know, we'll see how it works out. Maybe he gets better this week. So, 
Yeah, I'm always pulling for Trey Flowers, but mm-hmm. you know, and then he gets in on special teams, he gets a holding penalty. So yeah, poor Trey's mm. can't get out of his own way right now. But I, I I think he'll be back and you know, but hopefully Sidney Jones continues to develop there. You well, know, one of the weirdest things to see about this game, and Jake, I'll start with you with it, is we had talked about uh, quick first halves with the Seahawks being the best first half offense in the league, and then always kind of a slow second half. And what you saw this time was kind of the opposite. They did get a touchdown in in uh, late in the second quarter, managed to head into halftime, tied 2-2, or excuse me, uh, 7-7. And then in the third quarter, you saw two touchdowns for the first first third quarter score for the Seahawks this year, and they had two of them, Jake. They did, and that to me is something that when you look at, you know, this group is it was so much the opposite, and honestly, it was more reminiscent of the Seahawks team that we have known for you know nine ten years now. Is sometimes these these horrific, uh, you know, slow starts that just make you want to pull your hair out, and then they you know find a way to finish the game and and able to end up pulling things through, and and really. To me, the part that I was happy with is that they weathered the storm. They weathered the storm both offensively and defensively, that they were able to make adjustments in the first half of that game uh, where things weren't going right, and eventually you you hit the right button. You find the right button, whether it was offensively getting to the play-action pass game, allowing Russell Wilson to call the, the, the plays more at the line of scrimmage, defensively making the adjustments that they made. The, the key here is, is that this is a good football team. There's talent on this team, but they've got to play a full 60 minutes of mm. football. Like we, we, we haven't seen that from this group yet, and that's something that has to change, and especially if they're going to beat the Rams, a very good football team on Thursday night. All right, we've got an opponent preview with J.B. Long coming up uh, at 12.30. He's going to tell us everything we need to know about the Rams. John Boyle telling us the latest with the Seahawks coming up at 12.45. Plus, we're going to have... Uh, Nick Ballore and Cedric Abwehi joining us in hour two of the huddle. Before we get to any of that, though, we've talked about the 49ers. We talked about week four. Now, with a quick turnaround, we got to put it away, put it on the shelf, and look ahead to the Rams. So, starting next, we're going to come back here and we're going to do our own preview of the Rams. This is the huddle. This is the huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Ross. It is a two-hour preview show getting you guys ready for the Seahawks Thursday night matchup at home, Lumen Field, against the Rams. The Rams falling to the Cardinals last week. Uh, they'll also have a short turnaround, and they're coming up off a loss. Gave up over 200 yards on the ground. Rams defense gave up 465 yards and 37 points to the Cardinals. And Kyler Murray, who's just having a stellar start to the season. Wow. Now, it'll be a battle for the Seahawks, but what immediately stands out when you look at this Rams team? Well, I think the first thing to, to me, I mean, you saw on the sidelines Brandon Staley last night on Monday Night Football. He's gone. Okay, so the 2020 Rams defense, total yards, number one. Mm-hmm. 2021, this year, number 27. Uh, pass yards, number one. Number 25 this year. Uh, run yards, they were number three. They're number 21. Wow. And then points, they're number 19 with 25, so not too bad there, but I mean, their defense is different, but they've got some players. You know, they're like pretty much every defense. I mean, you look at you got Bobby, you've got you know Quandre, you've got Jamal Adams. I mean, those are the three Pro Bowlers that kind of stand out. I mean, you've got Aaron Donald, you've got Floyd, you've got Jalen Ramsey. I mean, it's it's a pretty good group. Darius Williams is good, so. Yeah, I mean, it'll just be interesting to see uh, if our offense is able to to get after their defense because it's just not the same. 
It's not the same defense, and I think a lot of it. Brandon Staley's an unbelievable story, which I won't dwell on it because I know he's the head coach of the Chargers. But, I mean, the guy entered the NFL in 2017. Wild. In 2021, he is a head coach. But what a great job he did with that defense. But they've fallen off a little bit. So, you know, that's that's something that, uh, you know, to kind of keep your eye out for and just see, you know, that Rams defense is, uh, you know, gave up a lot of yards last week. Well, and that's a, I, honestly, it's it's a statement to Brandon Staley as well. Anybody that was questioning whether or not he was, he had earned that opportunity as a head coach, just look at the Rams this year. I mean, very look different defense. And, and yeah, the yeah. Chargers definitely. So uh, I, I would say that I fully agree with that when it comes to, you know, Dave, what you were talking about with this defense. You watch them on film and you can just see that this group is not tight in their communication the way that they were a year ago. I point to John Johnson, you know, departing this offseason, Troy Hill departing this offseason. Those were two key guys in the secondary. Now you've got Taylor Rapp, Jordan Fuller, two very talented players, but they don't have that guy in the back end of the defense at the safety spot that is really getting guys locked in, lined up, assignment sound, there is miscommunication that is going on there. And Jalen Ramsey is still, you know, an incredible football player. But um, you can see that he isn't having the same impact uh, that he was a year ago because everybody else isn't doing their job the way that they did a year ago. Essentially, you had Jalen Ramsey take out the best player and then everybody else was able to play double team on everybody else because of their match coverages that's exactly right or they had Jalen Ramsey in the slot and then of course on the outside corner you have David Long Jr. who gets beat for a 25 yarder to DeAndre Hopkins and I think a 40 something yarder uh to uh to AJ Green yes well and Johnny Johnson I thought also uh, I never thought he was a good player at all until last year Mm -hmm. you know and running Staley's I I just think he gets the most out of his defenders so Yeah, and then you, you look over on the other side at uh, at Matthew Stafford. You know, he's been sacked three times this year in four games, which is it leads the league. And I was looking at his last. So he's on pace for like 13, 14 sacks for which the season. Which is nothing. Yeah, I mean, you look at over the past three years, full seasons that he played, 47, 40, 38 sacks on him. So he's back there patting the ball. Um, you get Cooper Cup, who is tied for second in the NFL with 30 receptions. Only Devontae Adams has more. So, yeah, he's tied with uh, DJ Moore and Carolina and Tyreek Hill and Kansas City. So, you know, he is is really good. He's going to be working the middle of the field. they got Woods. You know, they've got uh, Van Jefferson. So, you know, I, I was like, hey, they took a huge hit with the brain drain of, you know, uh, offensive coaches or defensive coaches as well and Staley and then, you know, of course – Uh, Waldron and Dickerson coming up here and then you know you mentioned Johnny Johnson they lost they lost Cam Akers to an injury I just felt like "Eh, this team's not going to be that great but Sean McVay is a really good coach he's going to have his team ready and um, yeah all of a sudden every week's like this though I mean you go in every week and go okay you you start the season and you look at the roster you go yeah that's a win that's a win you get to that week and you're like no this is not that easy like going into Minnesota well and it's crazy when you look at it in terms of how important this game really can be for the Seahawks in particular it changes the outlook of this team dramatically just being three and two versus two and three with three games remaining before you enter into the bye week I mean it's a huge opportunity for the Seahawks here to regain and reestablish themselves in the NFC West 
in the overall playoff conversation. I know the Arizona Cardinals are off to an amazing start, but at some point the NFL has a way of humbling you and 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 bringing you back down to earth, just maybe even a little bit. So if the Seahawks can be in striking range or striking distance, that's all you can ask for from this group. And right now you look at this matchup and it makes me nervous, quite honestly, because of the talent that they have on both sides of the ball and and stars that are very capable of playing at an extremely high level. But what you hope is that the, that the Seahawks maybe found themselves a little bit in this last game against the 49ers. Defensively, as you mentioned, Dave, playing tighter coverage, being more assignment sound as the game went on. The Seahawks getting into something I've been wanting them to get into for all season long, which is get at the line of scrimmage, put pressure on the defense, and you don't need to call one-word plays like you do in two minutes, but get on the lineup and let Russell Wilson and Shane Waldron call the plays at the line and get into the right play calls. And they did that versus the 49ers, and that's when they really started taking over the game. Well, and I don't think it's a coincidence that when they started doing that too, that's when you saw the first interception for this team because you were in there to make a play. You saw a nice forced fumble, uh, that one on special teams by John Radigan, so that wasn't necessarily a DB out on an an offensive possession. But, I mean, that's what this defense is going to need, right? You need something. uh, Dave, you said it. You need something if you're going to give up yardage, if you're going to give up points to hang your hat on. Yeah. So it's got to be turnovers or it's got to be sacks, right? A, a lot of people point to that uh, Kansas City Chiefs, the Super Bowl winning team that had a struggling defense. Well, they also got to the quarterback and they yeah. also got some takeaways. So you got to be able to have something you can do. And, and like you said, Jake, playing more aggressively can allow you to make some of those plays. Yeah, I was just looking at turnover ratio. I know it's early to look at that, but like the Seahawks have only turned it over one time and it was a lucky punch out by Darius Leonard. And you know, look, there's some skill to that, but I mean, he just throws a wild punch. It's yeah. moving so fast. You watch it in slow motion and go, oh, he's not protecting the ball. He had it entirely cradled. It's just that he, he just got lucky with that punch. But that's it. They've not had an interception. They've not given the ball away. And, and you look at turnover ratio. I was just calculating the top 10. Basically, it's a 650 win percentage for the teams that are in top 10 of turnover ratio right now, which is, you know, about 11 games. You're going to win about 11 games. And then you look at the bottom 10, it's 325. These are the bad teams. You know, this is the uh, Houston, Atlanta. You know, Kansas City actually is minus three. They're in the bottom 10. You know, Washington football team. So the Jets, Jacksonville. They're minus eight in Jacksonville, and it's just a killer. So that's the great equalizer. I'm hoping you, you mentioned that hang your hat on it. I hope that's what it is, that it's taking the ball away because Pete's always been about that. You heard that story from Matt Hasselbeck about how, you know, and in one of his disciples, Greg Robinson, who coached me in Denver, uh, was kind of the same way. Like, what's the point of defense? The answer is get the ball, not stop them, not – Make them punt, you know, not, you know, be good on third down. It's about taking the ball away. That's all that matters. So, and you just think about it. I mean, there's no mystery here that the the turnover ratio is a huge deal because everyone you get is taking, it's not only giving you an extra possession, it's yeah. taking one away from them. So yep. hopefully, yeah, we get, uh, with, with when we see the tighter um, coverage that we're going to get more interceptions out of that. And hopefully, you know, Sometimes you can play hunches. I see. I saw. I thought I saw that in Minnesota. There were some guys jumping stuff, thinking they're going to get an interception, but no. Those just come with tight coverage, not by playing your hunches. Well, and with how good this offensive line has been, like you said, giving up just three sacks, none last week against the Cardinals, despite yeah. that loss. Um, it seems like that's how you're going to have to do it because I 
Jake and I talked about this. You're a bit worried about what the pass rush can do. All right. uh, We are going to do an opponent preview. Rams play-by-play announcer J.B. Long going to join us to tell us everything we know. It's going to be a deeper dive into the Rams, and then we're going to come back to the Seahawks, back to Seattle with John Boyle. It's all coming your way next on The Huddle. Joining us now on the huddle is Rams play-by-play announcer J.B. Long. J.B., obviously this Rams team has gotten the better of Pete Carroll Seahawks squads more often than not, uh, but we saw the Rams fall to Arizona last week. Now, Arizona's been phenomenal. They have been unreal, especially Kyler Murray, so I know it'll be a tough task for Seattle, but what did you see the Rams kind of struggle with last week? Well, yeah, it all starts with Kyler Murray. Uh, It was billed as an MVP caliber preview, and I think it lived up to that. Matthew Stafford had an off day for no particular reason. He wasn't necessarily bothered in the pocket, uh, was not sacked, but uh, Murray was unstoppable. Uh, He's making all the right decisions between the years and with his arm, and then when things break down, he's able to pick up third and 16 with his feet. So that created a lot of issues for the Rams' defense. Uh, In one sense, they're shorthanded on the edge with starting out Side linebacker Justin Hollins, a, an Oregon product, being on injured reserve. But I, I don't think that in, in total can explain it. I just think Murray and this offense right now for Arizona present a lot of unique problems, but uh, maybe less and less unique by the year because we know what Russell Wilson can do to extend plays. Um, and certainly if Trey Lance is taking over for Jimmy Garoppolo now or in the near future in San Francisco, this is the new complexion of the division. So it's a it's a problem that Raheem Morris, the defensive coordinator for Los Angeles, is going to have to solve sooner rather than later. And it's interesting that you know, just a short handful of days after um, Murray ran roughshod at SoFi Stadium, now they have to turn it around and, and face one of the best in the game in Russell Wilson. JB, you mentioned some of the unique struggles, that uh, it, the challenges that the Rams faced against the Cardinals offense. But one of the things that has really been surprising, you look at their overall stat sheet defensively, from a team that was so dominant a year ago and, and largely returning the same guys, uh, is, is that they haven't been as dominant. Uh, they've had dominant performances. The Tampa Bay game was great, but overall uh, they've struggled, uh, particularly in the run game. Is there anything that stands out to you uh, from that aspect as to why they are having a hard time stopping the run? Well, I think last year it was almost by design or by choice playing out of two deep safety shells and daring teams to run uh, and, and seeing if they could string together 8, 10, 12 play drives before Aaron Donald got home or before Jalen Ramsey made a big play or Darius Williams, who had some nice moments, particularly against Seattle. This year, Jake, I don't think they've really settled on what their identity is. That Tampa Bay performance is probably the signature one because they too came to Los Angeles as the top scoring team in the NFL and were held to 24, including a, a late garbage time touchdown. So that, that's their best performance. There have been some fine moments, largely defending their own goal line in annual situations and when they have been able to create some takeaways in the first couple of weeks. And takeaways, I know it's so cliche, but it's really what Raheem Morris preaches more than anything else. I think year to year what we're expecting is, is maybe less a suffocating defense from Brandon Saley a year ago and more opportunistic. But that's kind of riding the roller coaster, isn't it? Because when you play a week like last week where the Cardinals take care of the football and you're minus two in the turnover margin, it doesn't look so good at the end of the day. Yeah, JB, you really do hit the nail on the head there. Uh, and I'm just curious, how big of an impact, not only is it losing Brandon Staley, now going through this transition with Raheem Morris, but also losing John Johnson. I think that that's one of the underrated losses for that team 
this past offseason, him going to the Browns, him really being the leader in the secondary, and now you have you know two younger guys in Taylor Rapp and Jordan Fuller back there. Has that been you know part of the discussion at, at all in terms of where this defense can improve? I think it's a fair point. I mean, I don't think safety necessarily has been where the busts have occurred, although John Johnson is one of my all-time favorite Rams and continues to do well in Cleveland. Likewise, Troy Hill, um, you know, locking down that third corner role was a very nice uh, pairing with Jalen Ramsey and Williams. And right now it's David Long Jr. in that position, and he got kind of a welcome to the NFL moment. Uh, they were playing Where's Waldo with him, especially when he was lined up against A.J. Green, a bigger receiver. And we know that Seattle can present some of those same looks and issues. So, um, yeah, I think there was a talent exodus, and guys earned their next contract. And even a veteran presence like Michael Brockers, who was so great um, playing multiple techniques along that defensive front and as a primary run stuffer. So I think it's a cocktail of all of those things, and we'll know more Thursday night whether you know that was a blip on the radar against the Cardinals, a potent offense, or whether this is a longer-term issue for a Rams defense that's not at the top of the charts as they were at the end of last season. JB, on paper, it sure looks like the Rams' addition of Matthew Stafford is working out. Obviously, that's reflected in the record of this team, but Stafford third overall in passing, the Rams the fifth passing offense, Cooper Cup, I think, is third among wide receivers in receiving yards. Uh, How's it been working out there just to your eyes when you watch it? Is it electric? Is it, um, I mean, what, what words would you use to describe so far their passing attack specifically? Yeah, electric, but with a, just a minor power outage at times last week. I mean, Cooper Cup uh, was the leading receiver going into last week, and he and Stafford probably had the best connection of any uh, duo in the National Football League, but they were off. Uh, there was a, a drop or two by Cooper Cup. There was a back shoulder throw rather than a front shoulder throw by Matthew Stafford, and it just looked disjointed. Um, I would expect that to be the exception, not the rule between those two, because they've been sensational so far. I think what Stafford, compared to the last time you saw the Rams, um, gives Sean McVay is the confidence to go for it on on bigger downs. Uh, Not necessarily going for it on fourth down, because they remain one of the more conservative teams in football in that respect, but they're not afraid of third down and ten, is what I mean. Uh, That would normally be a tunnel screen or a give-up run and punt in in previous years. Uh, But Stafford can beat you from the pocket. He can play straight back drop game. Uh, and he can throw past the chains. And right now he's being really well protected. He's enjoying the lowest mm-hmm. sack rate of his career. So, yeah, it's all of those things. I think when Sean McVay talks about protecting with all 11, that's really come to life this year. The offensive line has played well, but they've been able to operate out of empty. And Stafford, with his depth of 12 years of NFL experience, has been able to, to work within a pocket and protect himself with some great skill position players. The answer was kind of in that question, but just to expand on it, in what other ways can you see this Rams offense look different with Stafford? Because we're so used to seeing Goff um, and and honestly seeing like maybe one or two different iterations of the Rams offense in general, just mm-hmm. since the loss of Gurley, obviously. So it was kind of a, a different group a little bit there and a different uh, kind of feeling of what to expect. But my feelings heading into this season were, okay, maybe they'll take more deep shots. Maybe, you know, like um, Stafford's just got a bigger arm. I mean, how does the offense... What does Stafford allow McVay to do that he couldn't do with Goff? Yeah, Stacey, it's a good follow-up, especially because Shane Waldron is calling plays in Seattle now, right? So I think all of us were curious to see, you know, are they are they that uh, that superhero meme when these teams get together now where they're all kind of pointing at each other and it's like a reflection in the mirror. 
Um, I, I think definitely a more vertical element is noticeable. Uh, having Sean Jackson be able to take the top off the defense is something that they probably didn't have to a good enough extent last year. And if anything, Deshaun Jackson at 34 years of age is outrunning the arm of Matthew Stafford, which has been surprising. I mean, they have one deep 75-yard touchdown, but truthfully, they should have three in four weeks uh, if Stafford puts a ball where he's capable of putting it. So, uh, yes, all of those things. I, I think McVay has been able to uh, not necessarily worry about putting his quarterback in favorable positions. What I mean by that is they're not under center with heavy doses of play action. They're not moving the launch point quite as much with kind of the keeper game and, and the bootlegs that they did with Jared. And that allows more full field, full scan reads for Stafford who gets through his progressions, I think, as quickly as any quarterback in the league. JB, where is the status of the Rams running game right now? I mean, I know that you guys had a, a devastating injury to start with Cam Akers and, and eventually that uh, that did trickle down as well. But how is that competition playing out and, and how well is that offense uh, the the balance of that offense at, at this point? Yeah, so through three weeks, I would say the running game has been used to shorten games because the Rams, after three wins, had only trailed for two minutes of the season. So basically, they were picking opposing defenses apart with Cooper Cup and Tyler Higby and Robert Woods and, and let Matthew Stafford go to work. And then when they got in favorable game management situations, they let that offensive line really chew on opposing defenses and, and run efficiently. And Daryl Henderson is the lead back. I don't think there's any question about that, having seen it now through a month of the season. And he's been very efficient. And he was actually terrific, as was the running game against the Arizona Cardinals. The Rams fan base kind of frustrated that McVay didn't stick with that as the game got out of hand. Um, Sony Michelle has been his backup, and when Henderson missed a game due to injury, uh, Michelle was the guy against Tampa Bay and, and had some very physical runs. Uh, he almost always gets two or three yards after contact. But unfortunately for Sony, he got one touch last week, and it was an immediate fumble deep in Rams territory that led to an Arizona touchdown. Uh, and he did not play the rest of the afternoon. So I would say it's still a weapon, uh, but the Rams have not been as balanced with their run pass distribution, despite what the stats might say. He's Rams play-by-play man, J.B. Long. J.B., thanks so much for joining us today. All right, Jake and Stacy, thank you for the invitation. All right, we are going to talk next to John Boyle, reporter for Seahawks.com, to figure out which Seahawks can have a big game and which Seahawks might not be in this game. That's coming up next. All right, joining us now is Seahawks.com reporter John Boyle. Help give us some insight into this team as they prepare for a quick turnaround Thursday night game against the Rams. Hey, John, what's up? Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you guys? We are well. We're previewing this game. We just went uh, across enemy lines a little bit. JB Long, play-by-play man with the Rams, to figure out what we needed to know about L.A. So now we're turning to you to figure out the latest with the Seahawks. So uh, I'm going to start with just uh, surprisingly not with injuries, although don't worry, John. I will get to them. Instead, I'm going to look at John's favorite part. I know. I know. He loves it. Um Instead, I'm going to look at what I think is the biggest challenge with the Rams, and that's their passing offense uh, with Cooper Cup uh, as their leading receiver and obviously Matthew Stafford. Which Seahawks player or players are going to have to have a big game this Thursday? 
Yeah, well, you just mentioned Cooper Cup. I think, you know, we saw the Seahawks make the changes at cornerbacks, and I think those guys are going to have to step up and have a good game. The pass rush can help them a lot, obviously. If we see them putting Stafford under duress, that'll help the coverage. But, yeah, I mean, this is a really good passing game, really talented players, and the Seahawks took a nice step forward with what they did last week, but it's going to be a tougher test this week, and they're going to have to be on their game. John, a couple things about Russ. I thought it was interesting that Pete said that that was one of Russ's classics, he called it. Uh, It it was funny. First of all, my observation was that it was 2013 speed out of Russell Wilson. The other thing was, I don't know if you've... Yeah, I, I I couldn't believe it. And I know he's lost... I was like, whoa, he found another gear. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I, I don't know. I know he got a little bit lighter. But the other thing is... At the end of the game, I don't know how you felt, but I was like, only 149 yards? It felt like a, a lot more than that. Well, it did, but you, it, he kind of didn't really start until the end of the second quarter. So it was, you know, they, they did nothing. I mean, that negative yardage through five series. So okay. it's hard to put up gaudy numbers when you do that. And yeah, I mean, I think what impressed Pete Carroll so much about it is just the way he and the whole offense stuck with it. And I mean, it looked so ugly early. They couldn't get anything going. He got sacked. I think it was three straight. It was three of those five, three three and outs ended on a sack. So it was just nothing was going right. So for the way he hung in there and the changes they were able to make as an offense and then get going and put those four touchdowns on the board, it was it was just really impressive. And then it, he said, I mean, he, it was kind of a throwback, the, the way he looked running that touchdown in and then the very next drive, the, that crazy play where he spins out of one sack, runs away from Bosa, and then just makes that absurd throw to Freddie Swain running backwards. So, yeah, it was some some cool stuff from Russ, and I can see where Pete really likes that performance. Not because not just, you know, statistically he's been better, but just uh, what he overcame and, and the challenges that the offense faced. John, it, it, Alex Collins had an incredible game this week, and honestly it was something that – you, you were surprised to see him finish the game with more rushing yards than Chris Carson, but he had he was a big factor in the second half. Um, is he going to see more carries, do you think, uh, in this game because of that? Yeah, I mean, it's a big question. We're, we're going to have to wait and see how it plays out both this week and I think just going forward. If if the running game gets going and Chris Carson, I mean, Chris is still going to be the starter, and if he's rolling early, then maybe you don't see them you know give Collins quite as many carries but if you need that spark which is what they needed there they you know decided to change a little something give Carson a break and try something new and it worked really well I mean we saw that very first play they they hit him on that simple short pass and get a big gain out of it and he, he obviously is really good so he he's earned it I mean sometimes depending on the way the game goes the way the opposing defense is playing you there just might not be enough carries to get both guys 10 15 carries a game but uh I don't know how you keep him off the field if he keeps playing like that you got a couple banged up pass rushers heading into this one. Uh, what's the yep. latest with with Daryl Taylor, with Carlos Dunlap, and Benson Mayoa? Mayoa missed uh, last week, and and also who's going to have to step up if let's say none of those three can go? It's going to be tough if none of them go. I mean, yeah. Alton Robinson's a guy that has been playing a lot more with Mayoa out, so you would you'd like to see him continue to step up. I I think you just need you know everybody kind of a collective effort if if all those guys can't go it. I would hope we'll see at least maybe two out of the three, and I'm guessing. You know, we heard from Pete Carroll yesterday. He was a little vague on all, and I think with these short weeks, it's just you just don't know how a guy's going to respond to the quick turnaround. So he said they got a chance to have just about everybody available, but I'm, I would guess when we hear from Pete Carroll again on Wednesday, he's going to say it's probably going to be game day on a lot of these guys. So 
we'll have to wait and see, you know, hopefully again, at least a couple of them can tough it out and be out there. Cause it's, I mean, that's a lot to ask a defense if you're missing three of your top pass rush guys. I thought one of the favorite things I've heard from Pete in a long time was when somebody was trying to nail down who was responsible for the blown coverage. <laughs> and he said, we didn't do it right. I'm like, Hey, that's a great answer. It doesn't, you know, incriminate anyone, but yeah, as far as Sidney Jones goes, um, you know, I, I felt like John, if if Trey had had that game, then people would be, you know, uh, out rioting, you know, because everybody yeah. just gets all over Trey. But you know, I, I felt like he was okay. I mean, he was there. He was you know, obviously he blew the one coverage, but I mean, some of the other stuff was was okay. I feel like he's kind of on his way, ironically, because you know I think most people would say he had a he had a bad game, but uh, I, I like what I saw some of the some of the plays out of Sidney Jones. Yeah, I mean, for sure there are some mistakes, and he you know he was quick to say that after the game that he needs to clean some stuff up. So. I mean, I think you give the guy a little bit of a benefit of the doubt that it's the first game he's played in this defense, so you would hope it gets better for him. Um, but, yeah, I, I do like, I mean, going back to Pete's comments, I, that's something, I was just having this conversation with somebody, it's it's something I think Pete's always done well in his career. Is he doesn't, you know, he's going to be quick to praise an individual for something good, but he will almost never single out blame on, a, you know, it's it's we messed that up, it's, you know, we didn't block that guy, we 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 didn't get the coverage right. So I think he's really good at, kind of taking blame off individuals when they do make a mistake. So I, I think that's a really good trait for a coach. It, it just kind of helps play, kind of endear you to players. But, uh, yeah, I mean, going back to Sydney, if he cleans a few things up, I think there's a lot of upside there. I mean, he was, yeah. was why he was a second-round pick and potentially even a higher pick if he'd been healthy before the draft. John, one of the big things that we saw defensively, the different changes, is them playing more dime package, right? Them yeah. uh, having Ryan Neal out on the field and – you know, this guy's a unique playmaker, uh, it, and they used him specifically to try and limit and shut down George Kittle. The Rams have got a pretty good tight end in Tyler Higby. Do you do you anticipate them maybe doing kind of some of the same things that they did against the 49ers this last week? I mean, I got to think so. Pete Carroll kind of hinted at that yesterday, and I, don't, I mean, it works so well. I don't know how you get away from it. it you know, we, we saw it against the Vikings and, and Titans, especially that Vikings game on those third down, obvious passing situations. They were not doing a very good job covering guys, and guys were open, so getting that extra defensive back out there made a big difference. And I mean, Ryan Hill played a really good game. I go back three of those three of his four tackles were third downs that either led to the punt or the missed field goal. He had a pass breakup on third down. I mean, he just made a lot of really big plays on third down. So I don't know how you don't stick with that. I mean, you can't always do it. If it's third and short and you got to respect the run, you can't always have that extra DB out there. But I, I do think this might be a more permanent change based off the results we saw the first time around. And that is the latest on your Seahawks from Seahawks.com reporter, John Boyle, who joins us every week on the huddle. Thanks, John. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. See ya. All right. Seahawks pre- and post-game show host Michael Bumpus joins us next. You are listening to The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost. And if you are a Seahawks fan, which all of you are, you're also listening to the Seahawks broadcasts on the weekend during those games. This time it's going to be on a Thursday night against the Rams. And as part of that broadcast pre-game and post-game, you're hearing Michael Bumpus steering the ship of the Seahawks pre- and post-game show. He's joining us now on The Huddle. Hey, Bump, what's up? What's up, guys? How we doing today? Uh, we are fantastic. I mean, a quick turnaround. We barely had any time to reflect on the win over the 49ers for the, for the Seahawks before looking ahead to this game against the Rams. So we've been talking about the kind of challenge uh, that the offense presents. Uh, could we just spend some time with you taking a look at, at that first? I mean, Cooper Cup has just been phenomenal for them this year. 
Yeah, you look at the Rams, you got Cooper Cup, you got Van Jefferson, who's emerging now, you got Robert Woods. Um, and don't forget, you know, running back Daryl Henderson is still a good player as well. They're anchored by a veteran quarterback in Matthew Stafford. They they took the L last week, and Stafford was brought down to reality. But what I like about this dude, he just looks composed in the pocket, right? He's been in the league for so long. There's not much he hasn't seen. And then you combine that with Sean McVay, calling up the plays, dialing things down, and the talent that he has around him. I don't care what they did last week. They might have played against an MVP candidate. Actually, he is an MVP, MVP candidate in Kyler Murray. But uh, we know what the Rams do, man. Russ is 8-11 and 11 against these guys. It's rare that he has an under 500 percentage against the team. Bump, I'm going to go special teams. Um, first of all, tell everybody what uh, your first thought was when Nick Ballore made the tackle <laughs> where his helmet came off. <laughs> My first thought was... I like seeing a man with a with a bald spot. Wow, you guys, Nick is coming it. on the show today. Let's make it I a welcoming it. environment. It's, it's all love. That just means that we're still out there. You know, we're yeah. we're a dying breed. All these kids got oh, got God. great hair in the league. Yeah. Anyway, I thought that was hilarious. The shout out there, but um, I'll tell you, special teams was very very key in that game, and obviously it was a huge deal because they lost their kicker, but. Man, that Trenton Cannon kid, I, I expected Man. to see him on the street. I mean, first he fumbles, then he misplays the kickoff that went to the one and bounced back somehow. And then he had a, a downed punt that he could have, you know, stopped at like the two yard line and yeah. he didn't. But I mean, the Seahawks, you know, they got some breaks with stuff like that. But also, you know, DJ with a, a great return, got him some good field position. And then, um, you know, you saw the the tackle by Nick Ballore. And I, that guy, I feel like he's on almost every tackle, it seems like, on special teams. Yeah, special teams is, is so important, man. I mean, you talk about the Cannon kid. I believe he was number 49. Felt yes. bad for the dude. but I did, too. Yeah, you know, because I've been there. I've muffed a punt before. You know what I mean? Thankfully, the defense held up for me. But, um, yeah, it, special teams, it changes the game, right? It changes field position. You see the Hawks score on a short field right there. In the return game, you get things going. You give your, your offense good field position. DJ Dallas had a nice return right there. And then with the hit with – Ballore, that just changes the the momentum of the game as well. Your team is hyped. You're going out there. You're getting ready to go. And yeah, they caught some breaks, man. I believe the 49ers kicker missed two field goals, right? The first one they missed, he pushed to the left. He missed another one. Um, I he don't missed an extra point, extra in a field point. goal, maybe. Yeah, but yeah, right. I mean, yep. that was that was a lucky break for the Seahawks. Mm -hmm. Yep, extra point and field goal. But we take advantage of that. I don't care who you are, what level of football you play, um, you take advantage of opportunities like that. You can't knock the Seahawks for doing that. Yeah. Bump, one of the things that really stood out to me in the game was the offense. Obviously, the way that they started was not ideal whatsoever, but when they finally settled in, they got the play-action game going. Russell Wilson was at the line of scrimmage. I mean, is this something that you want to see more of? Is there something else that you're seeing from this offense that, you know, the, the differences between when they, are start, when they are struggling on offense versus when they are clicking? Well, yeah, Jake, I feel like when they are clicking on offense, obviously the run game is a big part of that. And guys are making something out of nothing. And the guy who did that this week was Alex Collins. I mean, that that offense was struggling until he catches that ball in the fight and he takes it 28 yards, right? And then you get DK Metcalf going in the quick game. And then his run after the catch, I think that's what we have to see a lot of. If these guys are going to rely on quick game, which I think they should to loosen things up, you have to get some yak. And DK showed that he can do that. We know that Lockett can do it as well. Now, in the second half, what I really appreciated was 
for the first time, I felt like Russell Wilson was in complete control of the offense, right? Shane Waldron obviously calls the play to get some lined up. They're in constant communication. But Rush checked out of three or four consecutive plays, man. And on that drive, they ended up scoring. So I think it's it's a perfect balance, right? You got to take your shots downfield. You need to make something out of nothing with these checkdowns and these quick games. But then allow the guy that you're paying $35 million a year to really take control of this offense and check out of things when need be. So it was a perfect storm in that defense, man. I mean, they gave a lot of points, but going into the half, it was 7-0. It could have been a lot worse. Staying on the theme of defense, part of the earlier part of our interview with you, uh, what are some of the things, some of the principles that this defense needs to stick with when it comes to Stafford? He's got a big arm. They aren't afraid to beat you underneath. They don't just have Cooper Cup. They've got other weapons, like you mentioned uh, in in our first question for you. So, I mean, what's got to be a rule, a basic rule that these Seahawks defenders, especially those defensive backs, follow against Stafford especially? Wow. Well, basic rule is you don't want to give up anything deep. You know, we mentioned Cooper Cup, Woods, and Van Jefferson. They still have Deshaun Jackson, who's like second in NFL history with touchdowns over 50 yards, right? So they're going to they're gonna stretch the field out. Um, I think you have to constantly put pressure on Matthew Stafford. I mentioned he's a veteran. He's seen a lot. He's been he's been a lot of places, seen a lot of faces, played a lot of ball games. He has to be able to – you have to try to confuse this guy at times. And then continue to be aggressive. We actually saw some man covers last week, and I was so excited to see that. There's one play where Sidney Jones gets beat going across the middle, but I'm like, okay, that's going to happen when you run man. But at least you're giving these guys different looks, something to prepare for. And when you see man, you typically see more blitz. So just let's, let's just continue to be versatile on offense and on defense and send Jordan Brooks, man. I can't believe that was his first sack last week as a professional. Like, I thought, I'm like, he for sure had three or four, man. Keep sending that young man. Yeah, he had one last year but that got called back as a penalty. Uh, I remember that, but yeah, it does seem like he he has gotten more. But uh, what do you what do you make of uh, Jamal Adams? Uh, his game, I mean, he's making more plays in the pass game, it seems like, Bump. Um, but, you know, we haven't seen that, you know, behind the line of scrimmage, Jamal Adams. But I feel like he's still playing okay. What's your take on him? Yeah, I think he's playing all right. And I think people are – you can be concerned because you don't see the numbers – uh, and the sack totals and, and the TFLs that we're used to seeing. But for what they're asking him to do, I think he's all right. You know, he's better in coverage this year. I mean, he hasn't made any interception or anything like that. But he's still making those big play tackles. It's just not as flashy as it was last year. And, and that's probably because they don't need him to do that this year. You know, that defensive line is playing better to start the season than it was last year. So you can rely on those guys. I like where he is, but I think he's due for a big game. You know, Bump, the defense, as we talked about, the differences and everything else, we highlight the fact that Sidney Jones played and DJ Reed is on the side that he played last year. Uh, do you think that that makes a big difference for this defense? And I know Sidney Jones gave up some big plays and uh, wasn't perfect out there, but there's got to be some thought that there's going to be some improvement, right? Yeah, I really hope so. You know, Sydney did give up a big play. I don't think Sydney played well enough to people just to bury Trey Flowers. I think Pete Carroll spoke after the game and says, look, it's still going to be a competition. Uh, and I totally believe that. I believe DJ did okay. I mean, the X factor to me was Ryan Neal, man. He came in at that nickel and really changed the game. And that's all he does is make big plays. So we are seeing improvement. We still had a busting coverage with that uh, with that out and up there when Jamal thought he had deep third helps by um, with with Sydney and 
Sydney followed the in route. There's still things that you have to work out, but I saw DBs around the football when the ball is in the air a lot more than I have seen this year. So that right there is letting me know that they're recognizing route combinations and they're getting a bit more comfortable with their responsibilities. Asking you the most important question of the day, Bump. Uh, the Seahawks are going with Action Green. If you guys have your Action Green unis, Action Green shirts, make sure to wear that on Thursday to Lumen Field. Seattle, this from Seahawks PR, is 4-0 when it wears all Action Green jerseys. Is that the best uni combo? Because uh, Jake and I and Curtis currently fighting. Some infighting happening here. Infighting. Uh I'm all for like the solid, like the white on white, black on black, gray on gray. Green on green is not 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 mm. really not my thing, but Thank it you, is Bob. my thing Thank because you. they're undefeated. And I believe the last time they played the go. Rams on that's, a Thursday, that's they, what they I'm were wearing about. Look, I'll do what that's I need to do. I'll accept it for about. the win. I'll accept it for the win. <laughs> I'm the, just saying. The not, green not is popped. no good on the big guys. It doesn't. Yeah, <laughs> it's too much green. <laughs> too much. It's, it's a lot of green. But if you're asking me, would I prefer it for? every single game or more than one time a year no absolutely not but if we're signing up for one thursday night game and we're going all in and going wild with action green i am totally down for that would i accuse someone of having no fashion sense if they didn't like action green no i would not jake <laughs> i do i, I do. have an you got action you- green sweatshirt a hoodie and a, a seahawk shirt you yes. gotta go full action green day no yes, it's you do it, I'll wear a green hat. I'll go. There you go. Yeah. There you go, Bob. See, Stacy, somebody <laughs> to that cover takes... your bald spot, Mike. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> somebody <laughs> that takes fashion risks. You would. I. I just figured you would appreciate it. All right. Well, Bob, I'll be with you. I'll find some kind of action green and and commit to it in just the <laughs> smallest go. piece. I'll just do like a bracelet. I don't know. I'll find something. I'll find something. Bob, he should is... we uh, should we uh, bring it up to Nick Bellore? I'm to, afraid. Hey, I'm too scared. You're thinking? No, about, no. I, I think I think he fellow? would appreciate it, okay. man. He's got to be an '80s baby with that ball spot. So I'm, '80s babies, let's go. <laughs> I'm making Dave do it. All right. He is Seahawks pre and post game show host Michael Bumpus. Thanks, Bump. All right, guys. Take care. All right. Well, speaking of Nick Ballore, he'll be joining one, us coming up later this hour, as will Cedric Boyhe. Before that, though, it is the voice of the Seahawks, Steve Rabel, joining us next on the Huddle. All right, we are going to be joined here by the voice of the Seahawks, Steve Rabel. Uh, Dave, I always have to ask if you're okay with Rabes joining us. You're, I mean, you're going to have to see him very shortly here. Yeah, it's it's a bit much, but um, you know, I'll get through it. Oh well, that's very that's very good of you, Dave. Thanks so much. Joining us now, speak of the devil, is the voice of the Seahawks, Steve Rabel. Rabes, how are you? I missed the first part of that. What's Dave complaining about? Now? Oh, no, nothing, Raves. He just said he's so excited to have you yeah, here. He, exactly. he, uh, he's thrilled oh. to see you sooner than he normally oh, does. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Just what I told him to say. Great. Yeah, that's exactly right. I still i am not allowed to look Rabel in the eye. <laughs> but, or even be... say, oh, hello. Never look down. There was that story about uh, the owner of the Washington football team, Daniel Snyder, that somebody addressed him in the hallway and then his assistant came and said, don't ever address <gasps> Mr. Snyder. I've never heard yes. this story. So like a yeah. random employee at the Washington football team yeah. said hello. Yep. Good and, morning. And someone Something told like him that. not to do that. Wow, that's kind of the treatment culture. I get from Rabel. Oh, that doesn't surprise yeah. me at all. Rightfully <laughs> so, though. I mean, Dave, this is the voice of the Seahawks, Steve Rabel. He's the best. Put some respect. He could do the whole thing by himself. Be honest <laughs> well. with you. <laughs> Hardly. Hardly. All right, that's enough. All right, Raves. We're okay. hoping you can help Good. us preview this Thursday night matchup between the Seahawks and the Rams. It seems like Sean McVay has gotten the better of this team more often than not in the past couple of years, but the Seahawks did win their last regular season matchup. So what's got to go right for Seattle this time around? 
Well, you know, have to first of all, you have to build on what you did this last week uh, to win the game against the Niners, and, and uh, you know, short of of getting Matthew Stafford out of the game, which would be certainly helpful, uh, but I don't expect that to be the case. But then again, we didn't expect uh, Jimmy Garoppolo to to drop out at halftime and not come back in the game. So, uh, considering all the weapons that uh, that the Rams have, the way they utilize those weapons. Uh, and I think, as I've heard you guys discussing the last couple of days, how absolutely pedestrian their defense seems to be right now. Um, one of the very first things I would think is this this is going to be one of those games where you better be ready to outscore them. And um, uh, I like, you know, I like our chances. I like the way our offense kind of uh, came to after, uh, what, five three and outs uh, to start the game uh, against San Francisco. And then really got going, picked up some big plays, but more than that, sustained some drives. Russ was just his always phenomenal self. Uh, and the defense played you know, played well enough to certainly uh, make some big plays, intercept a pass, uh, slow down the, the Niners, even though they had obviously a rookie quarterback who helped slow things down themselves. But I just think this is going to be kind of one of those games where it's going to come down to the end. Uh, I, I've heard some talk about comparing this one to that 2019 game that went down to the last, what, uh, 11 seconds and and the Rams miss a field goal uh, but Russ was spectacular in that game and and I think you know we're going to have to continue along those lines one other thing I'd say is we're going to have to get Chris Carson rolling and that's going to start up front that's not going to start with Chris that's going to start up front Hey, Ribs, I thought one of the most – I think the most excited you and I got was when uh, during the broadcast was Russ running for the touchdown, and I think we both were surprised, man. It was uh, – yeah, like I said in the, the broadcast, it was like the 2013 Russell Wilson. And then, you know, at the end of the – at the end of the game, I felt like, oh, you only had 149 yards? I mean, you mentioned the, the five three and outs, but yeah, it, was, uh, it was kind of an interesting game from Russ. It was, and and he, I think it was one of those two that, you know, deep down in the in the deepest recesses of that very complex brain of his, uh, he thought there's no way I'm losing three in a row. It's just not going to happen. It hasn't happened in his decade, quarterbacking uh, the Seahawks. I think I read somewhere where it hadn't happened since he was a sophomore at like NC State or something that he'd lost three games in a row. So it that that sort of thing just doesn't compute with Russ. And he's going to find a way to make those plays. I, I remember specifically as we watched that run develop, and all of a sudden there's the pylon. You know, you, I just didn't kind of sense that right away that he was that close to scoring. And here he goes, just running away from everybody, diving uh, past one of the defenders to get into the end zone. Uh, you you just were not going to keep him out, and and then you were not going to slow him down. Uh, just a few plays later, we get the ball back uh, after a fumbled kickoff, and he somehow spins out of all of that mess of defense and rolls back to his right side and finds Swain in the front corner of the end zone with a perfect dart. So, you know, this this game, uh, Pete said it so many times here since Sunday that one of the one of his favorite games of Russ, maybe not the best game statistically, but one of his favorite games that Russ has played because everything that Russ does right was brought into this football game, this win, and he's going to need it again this week against the Rams. He certainly is, and and the one thing, Raves, that this team has yet to do is play a full 60 minutes of football. I mean, um, both offensively and defensively, but I want to focus on the defense here for a second just because – I believe they have such a unique matchup against Matt Stafford. This is something that is new to the rivalry. Aaron Donald's been here. Jalen Ramsey's been here. Now you add Matthew Stafford to the equation. What's the one thing that you are worried about when it comes to facing this new offense? 
giving him too much time to stand back in there and throw. He's been sacked. Uh, I think he's number three in the league at, at uh, being sacked. So they, they, they just don't let him get hit back there very often. Uh, and that offensive line has been together for every game. How many changes on the offensive front have the Hawks had already in four games? The Rams have started the same four. And I remember the year they went to the Super Bowl, I believe their starting offensive line played together, those five guys, all season, which is just unheard of. But – it means that you have that continuity up front in front of your quarterback. If if uh, Matthew Stafford can stand back there and just pick and choose, uh, then it will be a pick-apart kind of day. And it, and it will behoove the Seahawks to get in that track meet. They're going to have to uh, you know, match him score for score if we can't get him off the field. They, do, they run so much counteraction. They run so much uh, eye candy at you with movement and, and fly sweep action and all the rest. Uh, and then deliver the ball on timing to guys like Cooper Cup who come in and out of their breaks. Um, I don't think you can let these guys leave the line of scrimmage without getting a hand on them. Now, that's just me. Seahawks are going to drop back. They're going to play some zone at times, too. But, you know, Cooper Cup isn't the biggest guy. Yeah, he's got great feet. But get somebody up there at times, mix it up, put a hand on him, grab him at the line of scrimmage, break up that timing a little. Otherwise, he's going to catch nine or ten passes for a hundred and some yards and a couple of touchdowns from his slot. He's that good. So I think that's the real key for the Seahawks defensively. They're going to have to step it up uh, another notch uh, to play these guys this week. Kind of staying on that theme right there looking defensively they have a couple in- injured pass rushers heading into this one we talked with John Boyle who said he can see maybe two or three of those guys hopefully showing up between Benson Mayoa, Carlos Dunlap and Daryl Taylor uh, but all three on the injury report heading into the game so again we'll find out later this week but I who are you personally kind of hoping that we see a bit more of with that defensive front uh, especially the defensive line because Man, for me, Rabes, I thought Carlos Dunlap had such an amazing uh, half to the season with Seattle, such a great training camp, and I've been a bit surprised by the quiet start. Yeah, and 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 I don't get a chance to look at the game films nearly as much as, as some people do. Dave looks at the games pretty consistently, and and we don't know quite kind of what they're asking of him from from time to time as well. Um, mostly, though, I would guess because of who he is and what he's done in the past, they're asking him to put pressure on the quarterback, and and you know that's been kind of a few and far between so far this season. Uh, we were really getting excited about uh, Alton Robinson. Uh, showing uh, well early. Pete said, I want to see him more because he, he he's done well. And then this last week, it seemed like he, he kind of overran plays a few times, got pinned inside a couple times, gave up the edge, uh, and not exactly what you, know, you would hope that, uh, that he would do. And, and still, you know, the Niners, they were the team, got rid of the football. Jimmy Garoppolo got rid of it faster than any quarterback in the league. So it was tough for them to get that kind of pressure. And I, I kind of have a feeling that it's going to be the same way with Stafford this week. He's going to get the ball out of his hands. So what's the next step for all, any of those guys on the front line, Robinson, um, uh, Dunlap, any of those guys? Get your hands up. They knocked at least one pass down. They redirected a couple just by, you know you're not going to get there. So get your hands up and make it a little more difficult for Stafford to find that open guy. And help your guys in the back end. Help your your secondary. Help those linebackers who are dropping underneath in coverage, uh, even if it's just a little bit. So, again, it, it's a, it'll be a whole team effort uh, defensively, I think, and, and uh uh, I, I'd, I'd like to see a little more of that if I could. He's the voice of the Seahawks, play-by-play man Steve Rabel. Thanks, Rabes.
Okay, kids. Thank you. Have a good one. All right. Uh, closing out this final half hour of the huddle with back-to-back player interviews. Cedric Abuehi and Nick Ballor are going to join us next. Don't go anywhere. This is the huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost. Practice wrapping up here uh, for the Seattle Seahawks. We're going to be joined in just one minute uh, by Cedric Wehi and by Nick Ballor. Dave, I'm going to make you ask Nick about the, uh, the, the bald, bald spot. spot. I'm uh, too afraid to do it. I've had I've <laughs> taken some chances on things like that. On our show, we have the famous Ty France comment oh. where I said that he looked 12 in his and picture just... and got silence. <laughs> Uh, he does look young though. He's I don't got a bit know, of a baby face. What did I want out of him though? I don't know why I would mm. say that, but you know, this could go. It could go. It's risky. This could go one of two ways. It was funny the way Bump said it. Here's the thing. I'm going to start the interview with a compliment, right? We're going to just kind of butter him up a little, and then you're going to come in with no. with the joke about the no, bump I'm not, spot. I'm not doing. I'm going to pass it off to you. Stacey, I'm the point guard. You're no, going to no, shoot. No. This is not going to happen. She's leading you, me down. You, uh, yeah, she wants this to happen so bad. You know but, what she is, Jake? She is a quarterback that's throwing me into a big, <laughs> like a yes. hospital ball. Yeah. She's throwing me a hospital ball. They're throwing high against two big yeah. players. Yep. That's what I always you know, tell quarterbacks is, do you not want to have any friends? Like, yeah. you, can't, you can't hang guys Look, I want that like first that. down. I want that big first down, okay? Yeah, and you'll, <laughs> you'll done. at any expense. That's right. Expense. I did yeah. do that to Casey Williams in in high school, our sophomore year. Did I had a hard time. Uh, yeah, still to this day, like he got concussed and got knocked out, but he caught the ball in two minute drive. We were trying to score, win the game, and we did. We won forty two thirty five. But Jory Fogerson <laughs> ended up going to UW, literally like almost decapitated him. One of the, still one of the greatest catches I've ever seen. Who's the best player you've wow. ever played against in a game in high school? That ended up going to the league. So let's say of NFL players or people guys might recognize, he could have played in college. I mean, I don't know. That's a really good question. What about I'm going to Marsh? I'm going to have to think about it. Cassius was really good. Because you lost But at the game. time, so Cassius Marsh was, was, he? he was at Oaks Christian uh, They uh, from California. They came up and played us. Only reason at I the know time, that, one of two games he lost, he told me. Uh, so Cassius oh. Marsh is 250 pounds now. Yeah. At the time in high school, he was 310. Oh, that's right. Top, he was one of the top defensive tackles in the country. He, he was a down. yeah. He UCLA. was a monster, absolute monster. We we could barely block him. Uh, but uh, yeah, he was he was a very different guy. Back Dave, then. who's one of the better offensive players you ever faced when you were with the Seahawks or in just Barry in Sanders? The NFL? Barry Sanders. Oh yeah, that'll yeah, do it. Yeah, that'll do it. That's an easy one. <laughs> did, you, did you play against Bo Jackson too? Yeah, yeah. You played yeah. against Bo Jackson yeah. and Barry Sanders. Yeah. I'll say this. I. For whatever reason, I didn't have a problem with Bo Jackson. I, I have a, um, I have a picture uh, somebody took from like the three hundred level where I'm. We're both diving over the pile at the on the goal line. Oh, that's awesome! And I actually stopped him. Yeah. But, but Barry Sanders, like you, just kind of closed your eyes and guessed. I mean, if he <laughs> if he's going to go right or left, you're better off just. Like, don't trust your eyes. Yeah, just, just How about, go for it. Who's one of the better players you've ever seen on a field, offense or defense? Just one of the best players you've watched with your eyes when you thought, I can't believe I'm seeing this. Yeah. Mm, uh, I don't know. Deion Sanders, certainly when he picked off a pass and I was down on the other end, you know, of like the 30, it's 30 to 30 on the sidelines. And I was kind of down there by myself, just kind of watching, and he ran right past me. And like he he took a step once every six yards. <laughs> it was like watching a deer, you know, when you'd see a deer <laughs> bounding out of your yard and it yeah. just like yeah, jumps yeah, yeah. a six foot fence. Yeah, that was that was pretty impressive. You know, Tim Brown, I don't know if anybody remembers him. Yeah, Tim, heck yeah. He was such a good football player. He's from Notre Dame. He's a receiver who uh, played for the Raiders. 
So yeah, he was played a long time. He was another guy, but yeah, Dion was pretty. That was and <laughs> the funniest thing was that as he was you know prancing past me like a deer, Dave Craig was like, you know when you're a little kid and you were like, hey, mom, dad, watch how fast I can run, and you make your arms go really... Yeah, when I was a kid or <laughs> ...exaggerated, sure. yeah. and, and Dave was just like <laughs> chewing up the ground. Like, a, a, about the size of a quarter would be, you know, the the surface area yeah. of Dion's feet hitting the ground, and... For Dave, it looked like he was wearing like snowshoes or something. It was just, <laughs> but I mean, at least he tried. But, um, but, and I don't even think Dave got picked off by him. It was he got picked off, and whoever it was pitched it to Dion, mm-hmm. and he just took it for like eighty yards. There are players like that though, where you hear about. I, I remember hearing an interview with Pete Carroll, who was asked a similar question, and he said that uh, Lawrence Taylor and Randy Moss, two of just the most physically impressive people he'd ever seen play in his mm. life. That is spe- I think he spent some time talking about Moss. Just when you saw yeah. him play, it was just something else to see it in person, obviously from the sideline versus just on TV. You know who's another guy? Bruce Matthews. He was an all-pro at center, guard, and tackle. And he was just an, a Jake Matthews' dad. Mm-hmm. And... Um, what a great football player. Like you just couldn't like some some guys you could you could hit them really hard and then set them up with a slip move and everything. It was just none of that with him. He was just always balanced, always in control. Like if I close my eyes, I can see me turning and him standing there and like ready like I was like I got no chance. Yeah. I got no chance of getting past it. The, the cool the coolest thing for me was Honestly, every day in practice going up against the the Legion of Boom, going up against yeah. Sherman and Earl and Cam and all those guys. Did you and, ever burn them? Uh, yeah, a couple times. I tell it, it happened. It happened very rarely, yeah. but that was honestly one of the things that when you have that opportunity, you get their respect, and, and uh, it was really cool going up against those yeah. guys. All right. Well, joining us now is Cedric Abwehi, uh with Seattle Seahawks. And uh, Cedric, we were just talking about Dave and Jake both played. I obviously did not, uh, about some of the most just physically impressive players they've ever seen. Is there anyone that immediately comes to mind? It could have been an old teammate. It could have been someone you've played across where you thought, man, this guy is something else in person. Uh, probably Miles Garrett. Oof. Uh, I, went to college, I went to college with him for a year. So he's been that way since he was 18. God. Yeah, wow. <laughs> hey, Cedric, you know, for a big guy, the one thing I noticed with you is, like, you move around the field like a smaller guy. I mean, you're a big guy, but you have really good feet. What are the, some of the kind of the, the things that you work on in the offseason to have such good feet? Uh, I think some of it is genetics. Uh, I've <laughs> always been a good athlete. Yeah. Um, and then just, just staying on it, like doing a lot of agility work, um, a lot of speed work. And but I, I mean I'll be honest. I'll say most of it is probably genetics. Yeah, just yeah. You were just you're a like a five foot ten, 190 pound guy in a in a bigger body, <laughs> Much man. Bigger body. <laughs> there you go. I think I think I, I think I was meant to be a skill guy when I just got got big. <laughs> meant to be a tiny special sure. teamer. Were you ever a skill guy like in like Pop Warner or anything? Never. Like no, always a big guy. <laughs> Cedric, this was your first game back after being on the IR for a significant amount of time. What was it like to be able to get back out on the field, and, and how do you feel moving forward heading in this next week now that you've got that under your belt? Yeah, uh, it was a weird situation. Uh, I don't think I ever uh, did something where I didn't, I've been practicing about two months and I haven't put pads on yet, and then the first time having pads on was a game, so – that first first drive, you know, you got to get used to it because uh, the speed is just different. 
So I think once once that first drive ended and then I had to calm down, then it felt just like it felt normal again, and it felt good to be out there. What went right in the second half? I mean, not just for you, obviously adapting. You mentioned your first time kind of returning to work in pads, but just for the offense as a whole, you guys had a slow start, and all of a sudden you were like firing on all cylinders starting in the third quarter. Yeah, just that first quarter, man, it can't get worse than that. You know what I'm saying? So the only way, the only way to, to, to move forward is to just to, to keep going and you play as bad as you can play one quarter. And then third quarter, you saw we just got comfortable and we just uh, started playing more of our, our ball. Hey, Cedric, you played both sides, right? I don't know. Have you played any guard? Just tell us, you know, as far as, well, just left and right tackle. How difficult is it making that transition from one to the other for you? Yeah, uh, I'm I'm just a guy who's I'm more comfortable with the right side. Um, oh. Always have been, but as y'all noted earlier, I'm, I'm a good athlete, so uh, people try to put me in the left side, and uh, it's just different. I mean, I'm a, I'm a really right hand dominant person, um, so I'm just more comfortable uh, on the right side. Uh, some guys, some guys who are like really good at ambidextrous, mm-hmm. it, it might not be as difficult, but uh, I'm just I'm just a very right hand like leg hand dominant person, so just. It's comfortable. I mean, but if 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 you have to make, make the switch, it's just something you, you got to get a lot of reps, and because uh, yeah. reps is what gets you comfortable at that position. If you switch. Yeah, that's interesting because Pete, I remember during the preseason, he said, "Yeah, I, I should have listened to Cedric." You know, because you said you really were much more of, of a right tackle, and they were trying to. You probably get that a lot because you're so athletic. They want to put you at left tackle. Exactly. I mean, it's been my whole career. Uh, so finally, this year, I'm. He talks to me. He's like, all right, we're, we're going to stick you at a right and then let you compete. And unfortunately, I got hurt, but I'm glad to be back out there. Good deal. That's exactly right. And Cedric, you're back healthy now. You got out there last week, and you're going to get out there again on a short turnaround. So good luck this Thursday, uh, and have fun out there. I appreciate y'all. Thank you. All right, thank you. That was Cedric Abwehi. We're going to be joined by special teamer, linebacker, slash everything, really, <laughs> Nick Ballore. He joins us next on The Huddle. You are listening to The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Ross. Closing things out here with Nick Ballore, your special team's ace. Uh, Nick, how's it going? Good. Thanks for having me, guys. Of course. Uh, You know, we were just talking about a fantastic day by special teams as a whole against San Francisco. And, Nick, I got to know, you're obviously a leader on this team. After John Radigan got that fumble recovery for Seattle, did he come up to you and say, Nick, thank you, everything I know I learned from you? Um, you know, he didn't, oh, and wow. I should find him for that yeah, because, that's really uh, first of all, yeah, if, if I'm in a dog pile with him, he should give the right of way to me to get the ball and get the, <laughs> exactly the, uh, right. you know, the praise as captain of the special team. So, uh, you know, we'll address that internally, but, um, you know, it was good to see him get the ball regardless. Hey, you ever steal a ball at the bottom of a pile? Steal it away from my specialty, but 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 old (laughs) young Johnny there. Yeah, twenty-two-year-old. So uh, yeah, I know it's uh, you know it. it, I hate to see that happen, but I'm glad it was just a guy on our team. But yeah, that's usually a uh, one of my specialties. But I wasn't able to get to that one. Uh, Nick, I I don't want to reveal any secrets here from you, but like, what is the tactic? Is it like pinching the skin? Is it like? Are you playing dirty down there? We're talking about taking it from your opponent, not your own guys. Yeah. Yeah. What's stopping you from doing that? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you're not quite sure which, uh, you know, (laughs) 
digit or whatever belongs yeah. to which team or Who's... whatever in the pile. So you're just kind of grabbing for whatever is there. Um, but right. yeah, you nailed it. I can't really divulge too many secrets on that, but um, totally it's not fair. exactly the most fun for for most of the guys down there. Well, and also, I don't know if it's uh, for your personal history, but for mine, I don't think I've ever seen a play where two guys hit and both of their helmets. I mean, you you blew your helmet off and his helmet off. That was a that was a heck of a of a feat right there, Nick. Yeah, I wish I could say I could remember the play. No, it's uh, <laughs> no, it fun to. Uh, um, yeah, I don't know that I've had that happen or seen it happen before either. But um, you know, I was just glad that my head wasn't in the helmet. In the helmet, I yeah. was able to get <laughs> up, and we were both we were both fine. So yeah. uh, that was uh, you know, it's fun to get in big plays like that, and sometimes your helmet pops off. It was. Res- revealed my bald spot to the world so that was, <laughs> the young guys got a good laugh out of that in the meetings but um uh, you know, I, i'll try to address that this off season i think <laughs> <laughs> nick uh you know one of the things that i've loved uh about you is you're somebody that is willing to do whatever it takes to help the team uh, to, to get yourself on the field. But really, you know, you, you've taken this onus and this responsibility of, of being the special teams captain. And really, when you're out there, it's not just doing your job, but you're out there to make a statement. And I love the, 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 the way that you play. And when you make a hit and when you get up and, and let everybody know about it, I mean, how, how big of a factor can that be for your team that maybe things are struggling or maybe things are going awry, but the special teams does carry a big factor in the momentum of a game or a big play on special teams can, can sway some momentum. Yeah, I I think it starts, um, you know, from how we view special teams as an organization. And I think, you know, it, there's a big premium put on it. And, um, you know, I think in the past you think about just making your plays and, and getting off the field and the offense and defense are out there. But, uh, you know, I think here we take pride in, you know, setting the tone because, you know, you're the first play of the game, regardless if it's, uh, you know, kickoff or kickoff return. And uh, since we do place that, you know, onus on the special teams making impact plays, I think it's always good to, um, you know, have those in the game. And you see it in our offense and defense. You know, if we make a play out there, everyone on the sideline is excited. And, you know, I think it inspires us to play harder. And hopefully, you know, we can spark something on offense or defense by, you know, a big return or a big hit on kickoff or, or punt or what have you. Hey, Nick, really random question, but um, Pete Carroll has talked about kind of once in a while popping into a position group meeting, like a DB meeting or whatever. Does he ever pop into a special teams meeting? Um, you know, I, I believe he does. It's, we meet special teams wise, uh, in the big auditorium. So sometimes it's kind of hard, yeah. uh, to see who's back there, but every once in a while you'll, you'll definitely, definitely on Mondays after games, um, you'll hear, you know, coach back there giving praise to, you know, uh, whatever, you know, good plays on film. So I think that's huge because, you know, it encourages everyone to, they, guys know that you know we are an integral part of this team but to have it reaffirmed by you know the head coach i think is huge hey nick you had what the third most tackle or second most tackles in uh, the nfl and special teams last year made the pro bowl it seems like every tackle you're in on how many uh, how many do you have so far this year 
Um, there's always discrepancies, uh, you know, coaches, uh, we, we kind of, uh, vote on, on ones in the, in the meeting rooms, if, you know, a guy got this or that, but, you know, I think it's just been fun this year because anytime you got, you know, I mean, we have multiple guys with a, a bunch of tackles on special teams, uh, you know, namely, you know, Cody Barton. So it's like me and him are kind of competing every play. Yeah. And I know if I don't get there, he's going to be there and, or it's going to be Ryan Neal or or Penny Hart or, or DJ Dallas or Travis Homer on and on and on. So I think the, um, you know, the competition within the group of guys that are actually playing is huge because, um, you know, if you've got guys that are motivated to get the play, I think ultimately it leads to better special teams play. And I think that's what has kind of been created. So uh, you try to get them when you can. All right. He is Nick Ballore. Nick, thanks so much for joining us. Best of luck in your conversation with uh, with young John Radigan, letting him know who he's got to make sure to thank for that fumble. Yes, I'll be uh, having a word with him. Yeah, thanks for having do. me, guys. Please do. Thanks Thank so you. much. Thanks, Nick. Have a good one. All right. Final minute here, wrapping things up on the huddle with Dave Wyman, Jay Keeps, and Stacey Rost. Uh, we'll just end with a really, really quick. The first thing that comes to mind, a key for the game for Seattle in this one. Uh, coverage again, improvement in pass coverage, I think is something that, uh, you know, if you look at the defense has probably been uh, the biggest problem. How about you, Jake? I, I really point when I'm looking at the offensive perspective, <laughs> Dave, I, I agree with you. Uh, honestly, I mean, the, the defense side of the ball is going to be such a big factor, but when it comes to the offense, getting the running game established, being able to effectively run the football and Hey, having a rusher run for over a hundred yards for the first time since 2019, mm-hmm. I think would be a Whoa. good start. But I also believe getting back to what they did against San Francisco, get on the ball, pressure the defense, let Russell Wilson, Shane Waldron call the plays from the line of scrimmage. I think that that was a, a great thing that they have moving forward, and I and I hope they do a little bit more of that against the Rams. We'll go three for three with coverage being that number one, and I'll add on turnovers. Uh, the Cardinals capitalized go. on both of them. Yes, on, capitalized on a, on a fumble and an interception from the Rams with two touchdowns, so let's hope the Seahawks can get that done this time around. This has been The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Ross. Thanks so much for listening.